you may be saved. That is something I told them I would not initiate, but if they wanted to play some rocky music or something, I would be, be okay with that. <laughs> uh, that actually goes right into my first point uh, this morning. No. Um, it's a little bit, actually, because this morning we're going over the topic of love protects. We're taking a break from uh, Jesus' life chronologically, which we've been looking at for a good while now, ever since we were outside, I believe. But we're taking a break uh, partially because the, the passage we would be on to next would be healing, um, if I'm not mistaken, right? Which would have been the third consecutive sermon that I would preach about healing. Um, so to give Sam a chance to preach about healing, um, I'm skipping that part. But more importantly, it's because this statement and this passage of Scripture is something that's... Um, one, I've been wanting to learn more about uh, because I've heard it almost all my life that love protects. It's one of the statements in 1 Corinthians 13. But truly, it's come down to the world we live in today. I didn't know what extent love protects meant. Um, so to get more clarity, I decided you know, I'm going to uh, spend some time to research this statement, uh, get the context of what it is, uh, from chapters, uh, chapter 12 and in the context of the whole chapter 13, not just taking this one statement and making its own thing out of context, because you have to look at the whole chapter to get an idea of what that statement in particular means, love protects. So if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, your Bible probably says bears all things. Um, not all of them says love protects, but when you translate it back to the original language, it could go like three different ways. It could, it could mean bears all things, supports. Um, it could mean protects. So it's kind of the same thing, but love protects, I think, gives a little bit better definition um, because when you say bears all things, you're not exactly sure what that means. So that's where we're going to be at in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, actually, before I get started, I want to go ahead and uh, pray. So if you would, pray with me. God, I thank you for your presence this morning. I thank you for all the words and the songs that we um, just sang together. Um, and how, man, a, a lot of them um, tells of the story of victory in this life that you provide for us. Uh, through Jesus, through salvation in particular, you provided vic victory in this life. And you've also provided victory over death uh, for eternal life. We thank you for that. And I pray that you would give me words to speak this morning that it would be directly from you, not just a skewed bias on my end. But help me speak your words in truth and exactly how you meant it to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, like I said, it's, it's, we're taking a break from Jesus' life. It's been on my mind, and I needed to know more. One of the ways that I hear this statement uh, used quite a bit in the people that I read and the people that I listen to um, one of the most common ways that I hear it um, spoke about was in, like, in regards to like the Second Amendment, um, the right to bear arms. The spirit behind that being you have the right to protect yourself. That's kind of what I hear quite a bit um, because of the people that I uh, read and look up to. And one thing I found out over like the last three weeks is that 
personally, I'm motivated by battle. Uh, it's, it's the movies I like. Like, I love Rocky movies. I love Rambo. Um, the war movies like Hacksaw Ridge, if you've never watched that, it's awesome. Um, those things really motivate me, man. I remember uh, as a kid, <laughs> I, I hate to embarrass myself every time I get up here, I used to watch Power Rangers quite a bit. Um, and I thought that as a Power Ranger, you were a good guy and you were fighting the bad characters like I, I, Goldar, I can't remember them all now right now. Um, but I would go as far as to think I was a Power Ranger. I would actually act like it and start beating up my friends, which is not the thing that they were supposed to do. Um, I remember at a bus stop when I lived on Pawnee, I got in trouble with the bus driver um, because I was doing things like that. I was acting like I knew karate and um, we got in little fights now and then with uh, the other boys in the neighborhood. But man, I think I figured out a little bit about myself and that is, again, I'm motivated by battle. It's the movies I watch, it's the Bible stories I love to read. It's kind of gory, but I like the Old Testament. I love hearing the battles between good and evil. And that's what I'm motivated against today also, is because there is a spiritual battle. There's a battle between good and evil today also. And, and when I think about the things that motivate me, that is it. So I think that's what drew me to Love Protects, because when you think of protecting, you're thinking of protecting from harm or something that's not good for someone that you love. So I want to be someone who protects and love in, the, in that way. So before we get into diving deeper into Love Protects, let's get a little bit of context from chapter 12. <clears throat> so Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and uh, if you read 1 Corinthians, it's, it's kind of weird how it's laid out. He's, in parts of it, he's answering their questions that they've had. Um, and he, he'll say, you know, concerning this, here's what you should do. Um, and you'll see that in a couple of the chapters. But he's also doing some correction. While they had questions because they didn't know, he also saw some problems within the church and he needed to correct it. And that's actually kind of a little bit what we see in chapter 12. So as an Alliance church... We believe that the spiritual gifts are still active today. The Holy Spirit can gift you um, some of these. But the problem in chapter 12 is that we see that those people, while the gifts were present then also, they were all desiring them all. They were desiring every gift, and a lot of them really wanted to show your gifts. They wanted the gifts that everyone could see. And Paul is correcting that. And actually towards the end of chapter 12, we see that in, in particular before he really dives in of what chapter 13 meant. So actually, let me, um, let me read, uh, let's see, chapter 12, 24 uh, to the end. It's just a few verses here. To, just to give you a little bit of context before we jump into 13, because like I said, we're, we're going to look at one statement of 13, but you need to look at it as a whole. So this week, when you uh, hopefully go back and read this, you're reading the whole chapter of 13, not just the verse that we're going over this morning. So chapter 12, verse 24, it says, which are respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable. When I hear that, I think of all the, the jobs, all of the things that people have to do in order for God's body to work. Some of them are less noticeable. Some of them maybe seem less desirable. 
Um, maybe some people think that speaking up on a stage is like the greatest achievement or the greatest calling of someone, which is not the truth at all. When I see you, our church members, coming in, uh, maybe not so much since March as we used to, but coming in and making meals for the people who need it, maybe making meals for people who just lost a loved one or someone who just went through a surgery and can't do something for themselves. When you, when you provide in that way, truthfully, according to this scripture, that you are doing something more honorable uh, in that way because you're doing something without the recognition. You're doing something without the, the praise that some of the other things go along with it. So the spirit of hospitality um, and the spirit of taking care of each other is awesome. I see the guys out here, um, Jim, Steve, Gene, coming out here and taking care of our building, mowing. They, they don't do it for anything other than that that's what they know they uh, want to do. They feel like God's called them to take care of this building. So it's not present. You guys aren't here during the week to see them do it, but it's getting done. There's so many things that you as a church are doing that is just great. And, and obviously Sam and I appreciate all the work that goes into it. And uh, hopefully here in, soon in the future, we'll see uh, more people volunteering for Kids Church when it opens back up. Um, because that is, in, in essence, the, what we're supposed to do as a church. We take care of each other, and those are some of the gifts that we do. Let's move on uh, before I take another rabbit trail. Uh, so that there would be no division in the body, because that the members would have the same concern for each other. Uh, there would be division if we're all aspiring to the, do the same exact thing. There would be jealousy and um, problems with each other. So if one member suffers... All the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating various kinds of tongues. Um, and then 29 is kind of the point here. Are all apostles, he's asking a question, are all of you apostles, are all of you prophets, are all of you teachers, do all of you do miracles, do all of you have the gifts of healing, do all speak in other tongues, do all interpret? And 31 is kind of the, the verse leading into chapter 13, but desire the greater gifts, I will show you an even better way. I read that statement and thought, man, I, I know I've been guilty of this before, that I want to be someone who has a, a showier responsibility or someone who wants to do things that people see. And I would imagine some of you are guilty of that also. But he says it's an even better way. So if it's a better way and there's a better way for us as a church to operate, what is it? It's chapter 13. We obviously hear chapter 13 and lots of weddings. We, it's, the, one of the, it's actually the most well-known chapter in 1 Corinthians, but it's one of the most well-known chapters in the whole Bible. So what is it? So that's kind of the context of chapter 12. He's correcting them for their, their desire for um, all, not just all of the gifts, but the showier gifts, um, and actually giving some um, credit to the ones that aren't as showy. So chapter 13 He's writing to the church in Corinth, um, and the main theme here is the problems we face as a congregation. Uh, I say congregation because he is writing to a church. I would be convinced that this chapter, if applied correctly, is actually the best way as a country, as a community, 
that we can serve each other and that we would actually grow um, healthy. So if we resolve to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus and learn to love one each other genuinely, uh, that would help us face all the problems that we have. So as we go into this, this sermon, there's three houses I want you to think of. Uh, the, your personal home, your church home, and community. I realize that uh, this, this fall, I don't know what fall sports are going to look like. It's not looking like there's going to be college sports, but when I thought of the illustration of protection, love protects, I thought of like the home field type feel. Like even when I was in high school at Crestview, if there's a game you don't want to lose, it's your home field. You got to protect the home field. And I couldn't find the video on like YouTube or anything, but I do remember watching an Ohio State game in the past. I don't remember what it was, but they had a like hype video and it was about protecting our home. This is our home field. We protect it. And that's kind of the, the illustration I had in my mind of what it means uh, for us to protect. We protect our home turf. The, our home turf is our church. It's also our homes that we live in with our families, and it's our community. And then obviously we can go greater beyond that, but we are to protect it. Um, and then go on to the next slide. Um, give you a little bit about what we need to know about this verse in particular about love protects. I, I told you that it can be translated slightly um, three different ways. And bears means to cover, protect, support. I don't know if you remember the, uh, I, I had a sermon, it was about um, chickens. Uh, you probably remember that a little bit. But one of the main themes of, of chickens in the Bible is about a hen. And the hen would cover and protect its chicks. And uh, when I see cover and protect support, that same word can be used in that verse. So it's, it's actually a very similar meaning to that sermon I preached before. So it means to cover, protect, support. Jesus, as always, should be our example. When we look to see how we should conduct ourselves, how we should be interacting with people in our community, there's no better example than Jesus. We see all the emotions that we have in him uh, in a righteous way. Um, there's righteous anger. There, there's loving each other, loving your neighbor. He did all of that perfectly. Uh, it's easy for us to find maybe a, a, some type of commentator on TV. Maybe there's a TV show or talk show we like to watch. And it's usually someone that lines up with what we believe. And we like to hear them reaffirm what we think. A lot of times that doesn't happen with Jesus, though. A lot of times when we look at him as our example, there's going to be times where what he does is very hard for us to do. Even the example of the, the Good Samaritan, uh, if you know that story, that, that's something that is, I think, impossible to do, to love, love your enemy without the help of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus displays it perfectly. It's not natural um, because of our sin nature. We're born into sin, and it's not natural for us, us to love in this way. It's, hard, it's because it's hard to do, and we're inclined to not protect. Some of you may be thinking already, I'm inclined to protect. But I would say that's probably limited. 
It's probably limited to those closest to you, and those are the ones you are naturally drawn to protect, and that's a good thing. But we're called to protect to an even greater extent. And I think when it says we are inclined to do the opposite is when I say it's going to extend to those outside of our family, outside of our immediate household, and it's going to go into other people, maybe in the church, maybe other people in our community that we don't always agree with, maybe political leaders. That's hard to do because we see wrong in them and we want to expose it. So that's what, that's what loving is, loving protect. Jesus is our perfect example. We're supposed to bear all things. It's not natural for us to do it and recline to do the opposite. So why should we do this? Because we're called to do it. Chapter 13 is our model to love others. And to love this way, just like chapter 12 is what Paul is trying to say, is better than any other way. It's better than any of the gifts that we could get from the Holy Spirit. Um, loving as Jesus loved is the most excellent way. So I'm here to convince you, persuade you, to listen to chapter 13. Listen to chapter 13 in all of your life. And truthfully, when we look at the next slide, and I'm not going there yet, if we look at the whole scope of what protecting means, it's actually really hard to do. It's really hard to do because it's not just physical protection that we have to do. That's what my mind thought of this verse before researching this, is that I'm going to protect my family physically. Easy decision. I would like to say I would lay down my life for each and every one of you in this room. I'm not sure I would because that would take me away from my family. But if it came down to my family, I've made the decision ahead of time. I would lay down my life for my family, no doubt. I think that's an easier decision when we think about the physical protection, but there's more to it. So let's go ahead and go on to the next slide. You guys know the story of Moses. Um, when Moses thought it was time, Moses thought it was God's time to take his people and leave. One of the things that Moses did was he actually went to see the Israelites. He went to see people from Israel. The, where he actually came from, was born into. Um, when he went to see them, he saw that one of his brothers, um, I don't know if his literally a brother, but it was one of his people were being mistreated. They were being beaten by um, one of the Egyptians. And when he saw that injustice, he actually killed the man. I thought that uh, that was just another reason, another um, piece of evidence that it's okay to protect by killing. Again, I'm motivated by battle. Um, and it's part of the reason that I, it's a personal conviction of mine, and I'm not speaking for the whole church, but um, I, protect, I protect my home. I protect my home, but any responsible gun owner would tell you that it is not our desire to ever be aggressive. It's never our desire to actually inflict harm. If anything, that is the very last resort, and the only reason we would ever do that is to protect someone we love. 
And that, that was in my mind is what, it, what Moses was doing there. But actually, he was punished a little bit from God. He was sent away to Midian um, for 40 years. But it was actually because Moses was disobeying God's timing. There was going to be some destruction of the Egyptians. Some people were going to die, whether it be through the, uh, the sea when it came down. But God punished him because it was not his time. So when we look at the four things here, these are, I think this is what was on my heart. Um, and it, it's tough at times. We think of physical protection, emotional, and spiritual. If we're all God's sons and daughters, then we need to treat each other as such. When we think of spouses, I've witnessed it. I hope I've never been guilty of it. I wouldn't claim complete innocence. But are you protecting your marriage? Are you protecting it with the hobbies that you have? Are you protecting it with any type of addictions that you could have? Those things are parasites. When you allow them to take control, when you allow things that you like to do take control, it's a parasite to your marriage. Things that seem good seem to, to bring you joy. And this could be lots of things. It, it, we don't have to go into the the things of like addictions with drugs, alcohol, gambling. Yeah, those are bad, but it doesn't have to be just those things. I have friends of mine who, who have allowed their hobbies to take over, golfing. Um, I've known plenty of guys that, you know, racing motocross because that's what I'm around. Just take over their life. Every, all week they're making money so they can spend it on the weekend and be away from their family. And they're not present to even protect their family because they're always gone. I've seen husbands and fathers just take trips without their families and leave them to take care of themselves. And I'm not talking about just a one-time thing. I realize that happens sometimes, but this is a continual thing. They've allowed it to become a parasite in their marriage. Uh, for me, um, I feel like I've hit different levels. As I left my mom and dad to get married, it's a different level of responsibility. I did have to draw back a little bit, you know, on my hobbies, I, you know, dirt bikes and stuff. I had to draw back on playing video games. And then as I had children, it, it was just like another step. They had, to, they had to draw back even more. I love to play video games, I'll tell you that right now. But I am terrible at them now. I, I tried this past week to, so now you can't play at your house with your friends anymore. You always have to log online and then play, I don't know who. Uh, the problem with that is if you're not good, you die immediately, um, and it's just frustrating for me. I want to play, but it's been so long now that I, I, I'm just no good. But that's just one of those levels. As a, as a husband first, then a father, those things that could have taken control of my marriage, could have taken control of my household, were parasites, and I don't want to let them in. Again, I'm not com claiming complete innocence. I'm just saying... There's things we need to protect. I think it goes without saying there should not be any physical violence within a home. And man, if there's one thing that gets me fired up is thinking about that, that possibility. I remember when the kids had to stay home from school. Um, man, one of the things that, that frightened me was the possibility of these kids, instead of going to school, were now stuck at home with an abusive parent. I hate to even think about that. 
There should never be physical violence within a home. Spouse to spouse, parent to child, there should never be that. And, and husbands, if, if this is you, which I hope it's not, because statistically, well, we are lower numbers now since coronavirus, but let's think of our church pre-pandemic levels. Statistically, there were probably people within our church, there, were, there was violence within the home. That should never be the case. Uh, as a parent, one is your child is God's first. So how do you conduct yourself in front of your children? Are you, do you have a good relationship with your spouse? Are you modeling God's love to your husband or your wife so that your children can see that that is what a marriage is supposed to be like? How do you treat your kid? Are you putting shame on them for something? Maybe they've made a mistake or something. Or, or are you guiding them closer to Jesus every time they do make a mistake? How do you conduct yourself? Are you protecting your children in the way that you raise them? I realize that in this day and age, when we think of protection, the first thing we talk, think about is probably masks. We think about we're, we're protecting others, but there's so many other ways that we need to protect our families. Protect our marriages, protect our kids. The truth be told, we can't protect them from every type of harm. We can't 100% protect them that they may not get sick. 100% protect them that they may not get hurt at school. It's physical, emotional, spiritual. And then children, I know there are some kids in here, and maybe there are some that might listen later on. You're to protect your parents too. You may not think about that. Like, what can you do for your parents? Honor your parents. The scripture says that if you honor your parents, that means that you are protecting them. And it also says that you'll live a long life if you do that. Seek Jesus. So, everyone that is in here that's a, a child, which obviously all of us were at one point, but if you're still in the household of your parents, do everything that you do as if it was for Jesus. So if you're listening to your mom and dad, maybe they want you to do something, do chores, whatever it is. I get it. It's not always fun. Do it as if you're doing it for Jesus. And then the, the fourth thing I thought of was work. How many of you speak badly about your work when you're not there? How many of you speak badly of your boss, your manager, supervisor, whatever it is, do you protect the company by speaking well of them? Speaking the, I'm not telling you to lie, but speak of the things that they do well. I realize that there are some, some jobs that that's hard to do. I had one of those jobs. It's hard to find good things, but are, I hope that you're seeing that we are called to protect. If we're called to love others, we speak well of them. We don't let rumors um, go around that aren't true. We don't speak gossip in general anyway. Speak well of others. And then I want to end with uh, two verses. Obviously, Jesus is our, our perfect example. Uh, but the Leviticus 16, 14. Again, I like the Old Testament. Uh, it says, this is actually concerning the mercy seat. And this is a... Um, scripture, and actually the second one is too, is how Jesus protects us. 
It says he is to take some of the bull's blood and sprinkle it with his finger against the east side of the mercy seat. Then he will sprinkle some of the blood with his finger before the mercy seat seven times. And then in First uh, John 2, 1, this is where Jesus covers our sins. He says he himself is the propitiation for our sins. He is the substitute for our sins. And not only for ours, but for all those of the world. It doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter what color their skin is. There's so many shades of different colors of skin. It's ridiculous. I, I know we say white, black, all that, but I mean, I'm not really white. I'm burnt. I'm like sunburnt right now. This verse says that it's for the whole world. Jesus wasn't American. Racism's stupid. Jesus covered the sins of every single human being. And then I have two questions for you. If you've never accepted the gift of salvation, this covering of sins that Jesus offered through his love is for you. If you've never done that, do it today. When we talk about modeling chapter 13, it's impossible without the help of God without the help of the Holy Spirit. It's not natural for you to love in this way to everyone. Even for the amount of people in this room, it's impossible for you to love all of chapter 13 perfectly without the help of the Holy Spirit. We have differences. We have differences of personalities. We have different opinions. We're not all going to have the same convictions. But we're to love in this way, and one way we do that is protecting them we don't let others shame them. We don't let others harm them. And if there's something that they're lacking, we help in that way. We care for them. We protect them in every way that we can. To those who follow Jesus, I encourage you to seek to protect others as Jesus did and does for us. This starts at home, which can be difficult. I've already told you that this is near impossible. It's near impossible, but it's doable with the Holy Spirit. So if you, if, if you feel convicted right now about the way you treat your spouse, deal with that before you leave. If you find yourself always reacting in anger quickly, pray for forgiveness. Ask for God's help for you not to do that. And I pray that each and every one of you are protecting your marriage, protecting your children, and protecting your community. This is the way we get back, or get back, I don't want to say get back, get to the type of world that God had originally designed. It's never going to be perfect until he comes back, but we can make it a little bit more like heaven when we live the way that he has demonstrated for us. So uh, I don't know, Matt, do you have a closing song? Um, Matt's going to close us in a song, but I want to challenge you today that while he's playing, while they're all playing, you resolve today to protect those that you come in contact with physically. And I realize that physically we think of men first, you know, that we're supposed to be the, the, the gates to the house. We're supposed to be there emotionally and spiritually. So if you would, before they play their song, pray with me. And I challenge you to pray while they're singing also. 
and resolve today to protect everyone. God, I thank you for Jesus. And I thank you that while he was here on earth, he demonstrated that he protect us physically. He laid down his life. There's no greater love than someone to lay down their life for their brother. So I thank you that he's a, he gave us an example of how to live. He protected um, us emotionally. Yeah, he went through all the emotions that we went through. And obviously spiritually. Where there was a gap between us and God, he made the bridge that we could be spiritually alive. So God, I pray that you would convict all of us right now. I pray for your Holy Spirit to do a work in us and draw us to you and that we would dedicate our lives as, as you, as our Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.